Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Deeper Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Paul White. Thanks for joining me on this first day of September, and it's fitting that on the first day of the month, we begin a new chapter from the audiobook Righteous Saul versus Righteous Paul. There are seven segments to that book. One is the introduction and then six chapters. We have aired for you the introduction and the first three chapters. We now head into the back half of the book by starting chapter four, which is easily the shortest segment of all of the chapters, even including the introduction. This quick little chapter we could have done in one long podcast, but instead we'll break it into two shorter podcasts. So for today and tomorrow, we do chapter four. Here is the first part. Tomorrow is the last part from Righteous Saul versus Righteous Paul, chapter four. Chapter four, Jesus changed everything. If ambition is a tough nut to crack, as we stated in a previous chapter, then Saul was the toughest nut of all. The life of high performance had given him a thick skin of confident self-righteousness. Not even the powerful preaching and impassioned plea of Stephen the Evangelist had any effect on Saul. It took a personal revelation. Saul probably felt good about himself as Stephen was stoned to death. Stephen's execution was confirmation that Saul was doing the right thing, defending pure religion. Once Saul had become Paul, the stoning of Stephen surely haunted him as he faced his own persecutors and accusers. Perhaps the actions of Saul helped shape those of Apostle Paul. The sight of Stephen lying in the road was probably always in the back of his mind and could have made facing his accusers cathartic for Paul. It gave him a chance to atone for Saul. Though Jesus is our atonement, remembering our Saul can be useful in shaping our Paul. I don't believe a revelation that transforms your mind, your heart, and ultimately your doctrine happens because you found the right preacher, nor does it happen because you found the right church. I believe it happens when we've become so exhausted with being Saul that there's nothing left to do except quit or become Paul. People ask me all the time, how are we going to get our friends and our neighbors into a revelation of grace? My answer is to let a drowning man get to his last breath. If you jump into the water too soon, he's only going to try to drag down the both of you. Remind them often of who they were saved to be, sons of God. As they grind the corn to their exhaustion, perhaps their hair will grow and they will remember what they have forgotten. They came into this to join Father's family, not his workforce. If you force the issue with people who aren't ready, you will find yourself in a theological argument with people who use Scripture to defend bondage, and they will exhaust you. They will always find another verse to use out of context, away from the finished work. There are plenty of verses in the Old Testament and the Gospels pre-cross that you can use for an argument if you want to ignore the finished work as a doctrine. I'll not endeavor to equip you with rebuttal verses, but I would challenge you to take a moment and consider the impact of the following. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 13. In that he says, a new covenant. He has made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. We are confronted with a new covenant, contrasted with an old or first covenant. Hebrews tells us that the first is obsolete, and at the time of the writing, it was growing old and was ready to vanish away. 
I'm not sure we can be fair to the authority and power of the new covenant if we continue to prop up the verses that highlight the glories of the old covenant with the same validity, efficacy, and power as we do those that speak of the finished work of the new covenant. Sure, we could produce a lot of verses to defend bondage, but when we start to filter things through a revelation of Jesus and what he has done for us, it is time to turn the page on Saul and move on to Paul. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. This is beautiful. Savor it for a moment. All that Saul considered profitable and worthy of praise, Paul was willing to sacrifice at the altar of Christ. He did not see them as a learning experience, though learning from them is probably a good idea, or an opportunity for growth, though if you're going to have a past, you might want to grow from it. Paul was starker than we might be. For him, what he gained in Saul was simply time lost on the planet. We'll pick up the reading from that point, about the midway point, told you it was a short chapter, of chapter 4 of our 2018 book, Righteous Saul versus Righteous Paul. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless.